You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 74. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for about the next half an hour. Just such a great day, such a great week. It's been such a great month. It's such a great year. It's been my drive and push to continue to tell myself that even whenever it feels like the world around me is crumbling down. Uh, You know, inside my own office, things just seem to be going great. Uh, It's whenever I leave the office and turn on any kind of media, social or news or otherwise, or leave the house and and, you know, read the stats on COVID or hear about more shutdowns around the nation and hear about college campuses not coming back after Thanksgiving, even though in a way I think it always was. I mean, for the rest of you all out there, I mean, how does it feel? Like, can you get a grasp on all of this stuff? You know, when you hear about another closure, when you look around and what you're seeing is so abnormal than it was a year ago, like... How do you, how does that even sound? What is the vibration that you're getting from this? You know, I've, I've done so many different episodes during this pandemic. And last week is a good example where I really honed in on emotional intelligence and what that can be like for you going through all of this. And it can be a lot. You know, for those of you who are the traditional high school, college students who listen to this show, you're in your formative years and missing out on proms or graduation, um, missing out on social events that normally would be going on. You know, freshman year is usually whenever you move into the dorm and you get to experience all these new people. And I'm still friends on Facebook with people from my dorm year days. And that was in 1994. Some of you in college, most of you in college weren't even born. People who were born the year I first went to college are 26 now. So if you're just starting school and you're 18, you were born in 2002. And so this is why I love doing the show. And yes, I do get that once in a while I might be seen as the old fuddy-duddy trying to tell everybody, this is how, this is how it was in my day. But the fact is, is I didn't end up graduating college till 2006, and I'm still very active in the college world and with people in the millennial generation. So it's like I never really grew up. I sort of just got stuck in that whole maturity level of a college-age person. And this is going to become the foundation for what we're going to discuss during this episode. Now, one of the things I've noticed with my headset that I use for these shows is that I've noticed that it's, it's got this, there's this weird clicking that's starting to come from some part of it, and I haven't figured that out. And so if this episode is clicking as well, I apologize. Do know that I am doing my due diligence to figure out how to stop that. Um, it's just like a $300, $400 headset, so I prefer not to have to t- <laughs> trash it. 
So I'm doing everything in my power to get this thing not to make the clicking sound. So if you hear it, please, I probably shouldn't even have called your awareness to it, but it's there and, I, and I'm doing everything in my power to get rid of it. So don't think that I'm just ignoring it. But that's something that uh, that also ties in what, what we're going to be discussing today too, is that our thoughts are not our reality. And just because you think it doesn't mean that it's right. Because you are not, hold your breath, the center of the universe. I know, I know, I know. How dare I? (laughs) This is what I mean by this. And your motivation to want to dig deeper into this topic and to hear me all the way till the end is this. Okay, we can often let our thoughts run wild in our heads. All right, and then this this thought ends up just circling around this, this metaphorical drain, and it circles around so much that eventually it sets an anchor in our heads, and then it set and then because that thought has set an anchor into our heads, it now uh, it now begins to get into our feelings, and then it eventually seeps into our actions, and what ends up being the case is that our actions and our feelings are based on a thought that wasn't even really set in reality. It was all just set inside of our own heads. Now, thinking your assumptions about how someone else should think, feel, or act in a certain situation, because that's, that, is, that is either the way you would or would not think, feel, or act in a certain situation, if, if that is the way that you go about things, assuming that everybody should behave, think, feel, and act the way that you do, because that's because you think that what you do is the end all be all. You think you are somehow the standard for civilization. All right, this is going to become an issue if it hasn't already become an issue. And this is ultimately where the judgment in our society comes from. Like I discussed last week and in, in additional episodes before last week's, this is where the lack of emotional intelligence really begins to rear its ugly head in our world. When people think that they are the reference point to by which all humanity should be measured. And if you get enough people with similar thinking in a group and they hone in on a couple particular aspects of their thinking or of their beliefs or of their opinions or of their values, then they begin to form almost a cultish idea of what everybody else's behavior should be based on what their behavior is. Okay, to fully embrace this way of life where you do not judge people that way, where you do not try to hold people up to this standard for which you think everything should be based upon because it's either what you as an individual or you as the group that you have cultivated to think the way that you do. To fully embrace this way of life of not doing that, where you release judgments about how someone else thinks, feels, or acts, you have to step into the understanding that you are not the baseline for the rest of humanity. You are not the reference point. By no way, shape, or form are you the standard, are you the torchbearer, are you the guiding light, are you any of these things, any other way I could possibly mention that. You are not the standard. You are not the measuring stick by which all others should be judged. Your friends aren't even the best filter to run your thoughts, feelings, or actions through, right? Because you expect to hear, like, okay, look at it this way. Your friends are not the best filter to run your thoughts through. 
and expect to hear things that might deviate or even would deviate all that far from your way of thinking because that's why they're your friends in the first place. Now, if you have a very strong backbone and you have cultivated courage, principle number two, and stepped into your world with a growth mindset, principle number one, that you can grow your mindset, you can have courage, you can take action, you can exercise flexibility. If you do these things, and those other ones were were principle four and principle six, and I'm referencing my book, of course, you know, because you've listened to the show this many times. Then if you're one of those lucky ones who step into that, then there is the potentiality that you have set yourself up to have friends who do not always just give you the yes and. That don't just always agree and then back it up. That they push you outside of your normal way of thinking. This is why I really think that people who go to college and fully embrace the college experience walk out of it with a very unique perspective on the world around them. Especially if you went to a school with a lot of international students or a lot of people who deviated from the way you were brought up. Because you get other perspectives. You get other ways of thinking. You get people who say, okay, well, I was raised on a farm. You were raised in the city. We think differently, but let's look for some commonalities because in those commonalities, we will find similar values. People make decisions based on feelings and then try to rationalize it with thinking. So even though we have learned, because I talk about the life coaching model so much, that there's an event which is based in fact, and then from that comes thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. Oftentimes, the feeling can come so fast that we, we bypass the fact that there was an actual thought attached to it. And this, this occurs because we, we, we experience the world through our own five senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell. All right, And even though these things come in through the eyes and through the ears and the nose and the tongue and the hands, everything pretty much, you know, the way that the human body is designed is all this information comes up through the spinal cord and it enters in into the back of the skull, the back of the brain. And I'm not a scientist, so don't expect me to start busting out anatomy on you here right now, because all I really learned when I read about this was that it, it, it all the Everything you experience from your five senses travels up through the limbic system, which is located in about the middle of your head, and that's the emotions. That's the feeling center of the brain. And so I call it the, like the limbic ghetto. It's like you, you go through there and you're going to, it's like, it's uh, well, it could be where I used to live in Hollywood, right? It's just, it's this, it's every, there's, it just gets tagged with all these spray paints of emotions, right? And so by the time it gets closer to the front of the brain, where, uh, remember, we talked about the amygdala, and we talked about the cerebral cortex, right? The amygdala is that fight, flight, freeze, or sex function, right? Where it's like, you know, animalistic, oh my God, you know, life is just based on, you know, I'm either, you know, I either got to fight through it, fly through it, freeze to it, or screw through it. And I know most people thought it was just a fight or, fight or flight, but actually freeze and, and sex are the other two, you know, based in psychology. I'm not just making this up. So whenever you find yourself full of adrenaline through something, 
Um, those tend to be the four ways that you deal with it. Uh, if you see a bear in the woods, I've been told freeze. I don't think that getting <laughs> cheeky with it with the person you're in the woods with is the best idea in front of a bear. But the fourth one actually is sex. But anyways, I digress. Let's get back to the amygdala, the limbic, the limbic system, and the cerebral cortex. So you have everything getting tagged through the limbic ghetto with emotions. And then it makes its way up into the... Um, cerebral cortex where the rational thinking can take place. Now, it's unfortunate that the thinking doesn't happen before the feeling in the brain, the way that it's processed. But even though everything gets tagged with this through the limbic system, a thought still occurs, right? Our, Our thoughts are what create our feelings, popularized by Brooke Castillo, and I believe that she learned it from Byron Katie. And so... It's it's just the way that it is, right? I mean, this is you go off and, and you can do your reading and you do whatever you want to to find more basis of this in fact. But I've read plenty and and I wholeheartedly believe in this. So why did I just go off on that little three or four minute diatribe? Because if you think that your thoughts are the end all be all, and then you begin to believe that everybody should think, feel, and act the way that you should because that's the way that you do, right? You're not using your critical thinking mind. You're using your feeling-based. So you think that, and I keep saying think, but in reality, it's like you have this feeling like, I wouldn't behave that way in that situation. I wouldn't behave that way in public. I wouldn't behave that way in social media. I wouldn't treat my boyfriend or girlfriend that way. That's not how I would communicate. I would want to call all the time, or I would want to do this all the time. That's because you're basing it off your own reference points in your own head. And if you go around to your friends and they happen to all be yes people, then you're just going to be hearing um, confirmation of the biases that you already have. Right? And, And what you have to understand is that you experience the world and you are, and you probably already understand this because we've talked about it so much. You experience the world through your five senses. The, the mind takes in over 2 million bits of data every single second. The unconscious mind ends up absorbing all of it. The conscious mind can only take on about 128. It's very computer if you want to, whoever figured this out and came up with this, you know, you can Google that. Unconscious mind, 2 million bits of data. Uh, conscious mind, 126 is what I think that they actually settled on. Uh, the study did, whatever. Um, you can go and read more about that on Google if you want to. It's something I was taught multiple times by different instructors of neurolinguistic programming. So, with your unconscious mind taking in so much data, the conscious mind cannot take all of it in. So, it's there. It's present. But it's just, it's like the teenager, which you might be one, who just ignores the entire world around them and plays on their phone. The conscious mind deletes, distorts, or generalizes all two hundred, all two million bits of that data, and only takes in one hundred and twenty-six, because if it tried to take it all in, it would have. We would be talking about system overload. So when you start basing everybody else's thoughts, feelings, and actions off of yourself and how you would behave, your reference point, your your standard for your kind of behavior. You're only basing it off on that 126 that you're conscious of. 
And even if you were aware that there can be a you know seven billion people on the planet and they're all going to have a different POV model of the world point of view, your conscious mind still looks at them and thinks, "Well, they're not doing it right. I'm the one doing it right," because the brain seeks confirmation. This is why the confirmation bias loop that everybody gets themselves into on social media by having their feed just continuously pepper them with things that that prove to them that they are right. This is why we get that serotonin dopamine hit off of that experience. The brain doesn't want to be told that it's wrong. People can be like, People can tell you all they want, that they are, they are fine being told that they're wrong, that they got no problem being corrected and shown the right way. And I am definitely someone who loves learning, but even I can take a bit of an ego hit, which is a lack of emotional intelligence, like we talked last week, whenever somebody says, no, you're wrong. The brain doesn't want to be wrong. Because 5,000, 10,000 years ago, if we were wrong, there was a very high propensity rate for death. We don't live in that world anymore. Now you can be wrong about the capital of Arkansas, or you can be wrong about the time uh, that set the microwave whenever you're timing out a steak on a grill, or you can be wrong about which way to go to the grocery store. And these are little things that, when corrected rather quickly change nothing about the actual direction of your life. But the brain hasn't caught up to the speed in which society has advanced us. So when we find out that we're wrong, it, 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 our brains want to react like, oh my God, I just turned left in the woods and now there's a T-Rex getting ready to eat me. But the T-Rex isn't there. We don't live in that world. But our brain still fears being wrong. So when we see other people behaving differently than the way we would, it challenges our way of thinking. It challenges our feelings and it challenges our actions. And ultimately, it challenges all the results that we've gotten from our thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so when we're challenged, again, because we still have that sort of, you know, the Cro-Magnum man brain, that challenge feels like a threat to our life, but it is not. But because it feels that way, and we see somebody else behaving another way than we would, if we're not prepared to process that with emotional intelligence, with maturity, we'll think that they're doing it wrong. We'll want to jump in and say, that's not the way you should do it. You should do it my way, because my way is the best way. When our way is not the best way, each individual's way just is their way of doing it. And just because 150 people agree with the way that you're doing it doesn't mean that if you didn't travel across the street or to another fraternity or sorority house or to another college campus or another city, state, country, that you wouldn't find 150 people who think that the, the way you're doing it is completely asinine. And no one is technically right or wrong. People think that the act of making coffee is pretty standard and everybody should do it the right way, but I guarantee you everybody's going to have their own place to put the filters, their own place to put the coffee, and their own place to scoop out the, the grounds, and their own place to fill up the water cartridge and the co different coffee cup to drink it in. And Do they like it hot or lukewarm or room temperature or cold? Like, there is no set standard way. And 
and you think the casual, you're weird. That's not how you should do it. You think that that doesn't mean all that much, right? But we learn in neurolinguistic programming that the mind uses languages to program the patterns that it behaves upon. So when you think that your reference point for how someone should think, feel, or act is the end-all, be-all way, and even if it's something as simple as how somebody puts on their seatbelt or listens to music or drinks their coffee, it's those little times that you peck, peck, peck away at other people about how they're doing things that ultimately programs your brain to believe that your reference point is the standard for which the world should be based upon. And then when you hear people out there disagreeing with your train of thought, with the way that you think, feel, or act, you then unconsciously feel attacked. And you don't even necessarily know why you're behaving that way. But when you sat there and you've peck, peck, pecked away at the way somebody, you know, vacuums their car or cleans their house or does their laundry or folds their shirts, like these little things, all right? All you're doing is, is, is basically assuming that the world is going to revolve around your way. And even if 100,000 people agree with your way for folding a shirt, it doesn't mean that you couldn't equally find 100,000 people who would think a different way. Now, if all of that hasn't helped you out, when you want to determine what is true, you have to understand that just because things run through your mind doesn't necessarily make any of that true. If you want to determine if, if the way you, anything any way that somebody is doing things is, is is the right way, you just have to ask yourself: Are they getting the results that they had wanted? If their result was drinking coffee, or their result was clothes in drawer or on hangers, and their way of doing it achieve that then that's right for them. Trust me, there is a part of me that knows that I am preaching to my own self in this one because I had in my head, like, I have systems for everything. And when I watch people back in the day when I was working at the restaurant, when I watch people struggling with some of this stuff, I'm like, it's because you're doing things out of order. And I try to correct them and they would listen or they wouldn't listen and they'd go off and they would find success or they wouldn't find success. But at some point I had to release it, the idea that my way was the only way. It sure as hell worked for me. I always excelled at waiting tables and bartending. I was always one of the lead head waiters or the lead trainer or, you know, assistant manager. I always took on a, a, a position of leadership. So I just assumed, well, if this is what I got, other people would get it too. So you have to first and foremost realize that your way isn't the highway. And if somebody else's outcome was hot coffee and they ultimately got hot coffee, even if they made it the most ridiculous way you'd ever seen, then they still got the outcome they desired. A lot of people will think that they're working toward the outcome that they desire, but their actions are actually leading them astray from that. They'll say they want to get an A, but then they'll go out drinking the night before the test. They'll say they want to make a million dollars, but then they'll expect to get a job that only works them three or four days a week for six hours, and then they won't wonder why they're not a millionaire. The, the saying that you can be and, and do and have anything you want on this planet, is, is, at least when, you know, working in the United States, generally we say you can achieve anything you want in this country. And that is relatively true. 
The issue that it comes down to is that most people aren't willing to put in the effort for that. They find out, oh, in order to make $5 million, I have to be willing to work 18 hours a day for the next 17 years. They hear how other people made their money and like, yep, got up every day at four and I went running and I went to the gym and then I went to work and I work, 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 work. People are like, you know what? Never mind. I'm good. Oh, I'll be, I'm good with 60,000. I'm not saying that you still couldn't make a million dollars working six days, a, a six days, a, six hours a day for four days. I'm sure you could find that. But the likelihood that you won't have to bust your ass in order to make millions of dollars a year is pretty low. And I say all that because it's just that, are you willing to work for what it is that you truly want to achieve? Are you going to be one of those people who whenever, whenever you have to step up to the plate and you realize, wow, this is way more difficult than I thought that you just quit? If your reference point was, I can achieve anything because look how much I've achieved in the past, and then it gets super difficult, are you able to step outside of your own way of thinking and realize perhaps there's another way? Perhaps my way of thinking, feeling, or acting isn't the best way. This is why you go to college. Because if you just stopped learning at high school and didn't work on your emotional intelligence or your physical growth or your mental acuity or your spiritual development in the in the around the idea of like morals, values, and and ethics, right? Not necessarily God, but that certainly is another way that you can grow your spirituality. Understand that everyone has their own self as their own reference point. You are your own reference point. So naturally, based off of what we had just discussed, you're going to think that your way is the best way because if it's not the best way and there's a better way, you will feel threatened. And if you feel threatened and you don't have the emotional intelligence to step back and realize it's not a threat against your life, it is merely somebody else doing something differently, or it is merely somebody trying to show you a different way that they think could be more effective, and it may or may not be. But if you can't open yourself up to receive that, then you miss out on an opportunity to truly grow. When you ask yourself, how can you... Be more open-minded and develop a growth mindset, principle number one, around the idea that you are not the reference point for the rest of the world, that you are not the standard bearer by which all of humanity will be judged. (laughs) Ask yourself these three questions. Why do I think that this is the way others should think? Why do I think that this is the way others should feel? And why do I think this is the way others should act? Your answers will all be based upon things you've experienced in your own life. Things that you've seen your parents, your preacher, your teacher, your bosses, your friends, auntie, uncle, family, the whole deal. Everything you've experienced, including the things that you've done and absolutely including the things that you've done. The answers to why do I think this is the way others should think, feel, or act will always be based upon your own perspective. It can't be based upon anything else. Even if you have a strong value based upon something that was told to you by somebody else that you trusted and therefore you anchored into that, Even though you didn't experience what that other person experienced in order to create that value they had within themselves that they then passed upon you, you still experience that person telling it to you. 
You still experience that person's story or that person's energy that set that anchor in you. Your parents do this all the time. Oh, well, this is what grandma said, or this is what happened to me. They do it to you as a child, and then this is how they warn you to not talk to strangers or take candy from strangers or why you should buckle your seatbelt or why you should not drink and drive. Like, this is why they tell you these stories, to anchor opinions, beliefs, and values into you because they think it's for your best self, like for your safety. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you don't have nefarious parents who are just screwing with you because they can But everything that you think others should think, feel, or act is based on your own experiences. So when you see somebody behaving in a way that's different than the way that you would think, feel, or act, I cannot express enough how important it is to ask them questions and get curious about why they behave the way they do. Now, obviously, I'm saying do this in a manner in which it seems extremely friendly. Because if you go up to them and you're like, why do you behave that way? Why do you act that way? Why do you say things the way you say them? Right? Like if you go up, that was my robot voice. But if you go up in sort of like a threatening, convince me why you behave that way. Convince me why you think that way. Convince me why you feel that way. I don't know why that turned into a song just now. If you go up with an accusatory tone in your voice, they're not going to think that you're curious and, and, and are interested in them. They're going to think that you're threatened by them or that you're threatening them. But ask them questions. But wow, okay, that, that was really interesting why you responded to your boyfriend that way. What, what, what was the driver there? What, what were you thinking when that happened? What were you feeling? You know, what was it that, uh, that drove that behavior? It's generally going to be something that happened, and I say generally, it's always going to be based upon something that they experienced. I shouldn't even have said generally. It is absolutely going to be based on something they experienced, whether they saw it, they felt it, they tasted it, they smelled it, they touched it. It doesn't matter. It's coming in through their five senses, and that's how everybody creates their own reality. In the answers that these people will give you, it will be the understanding of their reference point that they're basing their entire life around. I was I, I was lucky enough to be raised in the city of Daytona Beach and the city of Orlando and the city of Indianapolis, but also the country of Columbus and then the countryside of Columbus, Indiana and Ogleville, Indiana. I was that we were the moguls from Ogleville. And Because of that, I have a very unique perspective of what it's like to grow up around a place where people have lived for 60, 70 years and all their cousins are around. And the only main store uh, is called, you know, Myers. And it was like, I swear, it looked like something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the only main building was the volunteer fire department where we had the fish fry and the barbecue fry. (laughs) It was like fundraisers every three months and it always revolved around frying some food or barbecuing up some food. Right, that's it. Was the volunteer fire department? So, and there was Mount Healthy Elementary. Like you Google that stuff, you'll know where I was raised. And those were like the only three buildings that were in this whole area. We had one stop sign, and it was awkwardly placed, so most people ran it. So I'm very unique in the fact that I was raised in the countryside and I was raised in cities. So I can understand why both sides have different ways of seeing their lives and in, in, in the way that they make decisions. I still suffer 
through times when I think that my reference point is the standard bearer for by which everybody else should be doing things. Because it's worked for me. I've seen success in this, so why doesn't everybody do it my way? I realize that's ridiculous, but it took me sobriety and a couple years in sobriety and and addiction recovery to finally pull my head out of my own butt and realize that I am not the center of the universe, that my way is not the best way, that my reference point is not the standard by which all of humanity should be measured. I'm just simply letting you all in on the idea that you are definitely not the center of the universe either. And no matter how powerful or rich or money-hungry you've seen other people behave in this world and, and do things around, does that make them the center of the universe either? That is narcissism. That is emotional immaturity. And that is a horrible way to behave as an adult. It is a horrible way to behave as an adult. This is a great follow-up episode to emotional maturity because in the idea that our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our, which, which, which create thoughts, trigger feelings, create actions, lead to results. And all of that stuff goes back to the circumstances that we have in our lives. So when we start thinking that our way is the best way, it is merely our reference point. And we have no idea the true experiences that other person has had. Even if they tell us stories about the experiences that they had, it's still being run through their own unconscious and conscious mind. And their conscious mind, as we previously had said, only can handle so much data. So it deletes, it distorts, and it generalizes those 2 million bits to pull out and extrapolate 126 bits that it can use. Because the rest would cause the whole system to collapse. So even when somebody tells you a story, it's only the story that's been run through their mind's mental filters of delete, distort, generalize. This is why 10 people can see a car accident and have 10 different stories about what happened. Because everything's being run through this filter that we have in our brain that is, that is our reference point. That is our experiences that we've had in the universe based off of everything that's happened to us. This is the foundation. Our opinions come from our memories and they they create our beliefs. And then the beliefs stay around long enough, they create values. And all of this becomes the foundation for our reference point. So when you see people in the media, when you see people on social media screaming back and forth that it's their way or the highway, or if you voted for this person, that means that you hate these people. You know, you, you, you go online and you see, you know, uh, people rioting and you, from one side and other people calling them names like, and realize like, oh my God, if, if you, depending on whose side you think is more right, you're running the whole thing you see through your, that reference point of these people are right because I want to be right. And my reference point is that these people are right. So what they do and how they behave is correct. When it's not necessarily correct. Because people on the other side think the way that the other side's behaving is completely irrational and asinine. No one's reference point is absolutely correct. Everybody deep down inside thinks that the reason that they do things is for good. But even if the good is only for them, they still see some level of goodness coming out of it. 
yes, there are nefarious people. Yes, there are people who mean harm, but it doesn't mean that that's a majority of people. Some people just have experiences in their lives that have led them to believe to this particular thing now. And no matter how ridiculous I might think it is, or you might think it is, or we might feel it is, and then that creates the actions that we behave around, it doesn't mean that we're right. It's just our way. And all of this is going to be wrapped up in a nice little present called emotional intelligence. It exists and it can be read upon and it can be grown because it will be the number one determining factor of the success you have with yourself in life, within your career, and within your relationships. You are at a beautiful age in life where you are literally creating yourself right before your very eyes. Right before your very eyes. You're not in your mid-20s or 30s or 40s where you've got all these experiences of heartache or, or heart win or whatever the opposite of heartache is, love and greatness. and Right? Like, you're still creating so many new memories. Step into this one now that you are not the center of the universe, nor is your reference point the end-all be-all. And I can assure you, your journey through the emotional intelligence forest will be much, much less dangerous. That's all we have to talk about today. I just would very, very, very much like to thank you as always for listening and enjoying this podcast. Please go and subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to know how you guys are doing out there. Uh, And as always, please, if you have any questions about my material, you can go over to Instagram at Jesse Mogul. Check it out. Um, I'm always there being much more active. Tempting to be more active. Well, I am, you know, look, life is what it is. If you need me, hit me up. I'm always out there. Thanks so much for listening. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. See you next week. Bye-bye.